This is of Brains and Babies. I'm your host, Cindy Moneto, and I love all things development, from conception through birth and into early childhood. My number one goal as an educator is to empower mothers with tools to have more balanced children. So if you like babies and or brain info with some semi-crunchy tidbits thrown in here and there, then we can be friends. First and foremost, welcome to the Revamp Podcast. Uh, this is formerly Mama Hive, and I've renamed things and a little bit of, of revamping and rebranding, and this is now of Brains and Babies, and I'm so excited. So thanks for being along for this little journey with me and on this ride. I just feel like of Brains and Babies is more true to my passions, my areas of expertise. Uh, while I am a mother, and obviously I love motherhood, and that's a huge part of it, I just have... Uh, We're going to really dive deep in future episodes more into birth, babies, development, and this episode is a perfect way to kick that off, so I cannot wait for you guys to listen. So when I decided I was going to do a podcast, one of the very first guests that I wrote down um, was Rebecca Jackson, Dr. Rebecca Jackson. She is a... Just one of those people that every time I've had a conversation with her or been to a lecture of hers, I walk away armed with so many more tools that make me a better parent. She is an expert in child development. She is just a wealth of knowledge. And we talk a lot about how that as parents, the more we understand about the brain and development, then the more it sets us up for successful parenting. And that is the goal, right? Is to not have stress with our children, to have less stress in the family, for everything to just work more cohesively together. And so we talk a lot about that. We talked about milestones, the importance of developmental milestones, things like tummy time and core strength and movement. Um, We also talked about, you know, modern schooling a little bit and some of the effects of technology and things like that on the brain. So I can't wait for you guys to learn from Rebecca. I'm going to put ways to find her and follow her um, in the show notes here. And I hope that all of you enjoy. And poor Rebecca, I could have talked to her for hours and hours. So I already told her I'm going to have to get her on here again someday. So enjoy learning from Rebecca and can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts. Welcome, Rebecca Jackson, to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. And Rebecca is an expert in all things child development. She is someone that I look up to personally. And so I'm so excited to welcome you here. So if you want to start with just introducing yourself and give us a little bit of background about, um, you know, what you are currently doing and what you've done in the past and everything that way. Sure. Well, thank you so much, Sydney. That was so kind of you. Um, I've, I've so enjoyed getting to know you over the years as well. So um, fun to be on here as a special guest today. My background, um, I started originally in my professional background as a chiropractor. And I was a chiropractor in private practice for about 10 years. And um, I was pretty young out of school. And so the focus of my practice was on really young, active, a lot of athletes. Um, And my patients started getting married and having kids. And so I started having a bigger and bigger focus on prenatal care, on infants, my hobby is learning. And so in my spare time, if I've got extra time, I'm always taking a class, reading a book. Um, And so I was doing more work and learning about infants and babies and development. And then I myself got married and pregnant. And I really, I wanted to know more about development and everything that I was reading was, you know, play patty cake, do sand tables, do sensory tables. And I wanted more than that. I wanted to know and understand what was happening in the brain of an infant developing so that I, as a parent, could be intentional in how I was helping that child grow and develop. 
So I came across a program that was the Neurology of Pediatric Disorders. Um, and my husband was like, really, you're going to do a program on disorders when you're wanting to talk about healthy development. Um, but to me, to be able to understand what does it look like when something isn't on track and what you can do to change that so that you also know when something is on track. Yeah. So I took that program and was just blown away. Um, and I loved it because it had such a focus on the brain. Um, so often I find options are focused on the concern or the challenge. And so if my child's struggling with behavior, here's a behavior approach. Mm-hmm. Rather than looking at what's happening in the brain of a child who's melting down and upset, and what can I do to change that brain connectivity. So maybe that child has a little bit more control over that behavior or upset. Maybe they can verbalize it instead of crying. Yeah. Um, so I was really just fascinated, blown away by that program. And that's what really led me to do something different. Um, I'm, I'll always be a chiropractor at heart. I love that philosophy and mentality of root cause. Don't just mask the symptom. Yeah. Um, But I really, with everything that I've learned, I really was just drawn to kids um, and couldn't not take what I was learning and apply it. And so that led me to working with a group called Brain Balance. Um, My husband and I owned and ran three centers for about 10 years um, in the southeastern part of the United States. Um, And then I was asked to join the home office team for Brain Balance a few years ago. So my current role is I'm head of program and outcomes for Brain Balance which means I get to develop new programs. Um, I'm doing a lot of work in research to look at what are we doing that's working? How can we do better? Um, what are the changes that we're driving in kids and what does that mean for their lives? Yeah. Um, so I, I get to do a lot with development on, on a daily basis. That's and so exciting. More than that, what I've learned the most, in, in I, it's funny to call yourself an expert, but is through my own kids and the families that I've worked with, yeah, you can learn so much from a textbook, but sitting down with a parent that has lived it has taught me more than any textbook ever has. And yeah. then the kids themselves to, to, to get to know the kids and their challenges and their struggles. And then to see when that changes um, is the best. Yeah. Oh, I, I a hundred percent agree. I feel like working in the realm of brain balance before I had kids gave me a huge leg up because I did. I lived it with these other parents and I saw it and I dealt with it every day. And so then transitioned to my own kids. I, I already knew what you were talking about. Some of those base at that base level, what was happening in the brain. So it made it when I would see behaviors like, Oh, that's this, or, Oh, that's totally normal. Or uh, I should text Rebecca and ask her what to do about this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so all of, all of those different things. And I, I think you're right. There's so many, I feel like um, that do work with development, that understand it, that come from the same or similar background, like you said, with chiropractic work, where it's like, what's the cause? What's causing it? Not just what is the symptom on the surface level that we're seeing. So, yeah. And, you know, um, I was interviewing somebody for a brain balance position just yesterday. And I said, the more you learn about the brain, it's going to change who you are as a parent yeah. to understand what's happening. So you can set your child up for success because sometimes the decisions we make as parents set our kids up to struggle rather than thrive. Yeah. Um, and, and we're not doing it from a bad place or from bad intentions. It's sometimes just not knowing or thinking those things through. And so I do feel like the more we understand about the brain and development, the more it sets us up for 
less stressful parenting and, and more success with our relationships, with our kids, with our family. You know, when there's stress with a child, it, there's stress with the family. It impacts yeah. the whole the whole unit. And that's the goal, right? As parents just to set our kids up for success in as many ways as possible. And so if we can do that with the brain, great. Then there's only, you know, 500 other areas to worry about. Exactly. So. <laughs> and, and success is such a moment by moment thing, right? Funny story from the other day. I, I don't know how we are on time, but um, this is pandemic time. And so, you know, not hair and makeup happens very often. It's a lot yeah. of yoga pants and uh, reality yes. right now. And I was driving my kids to school the other day and it was early in the morning and I did have full hair and makeup on. And my daughter, who's 12, asked what I was doing. And I was filming a segment for a um, morning show, a Zoom segment, but it was on camera. So I had hair and makeup on and my daughter was asking what it was about. And I said, oh, we're going to talk about parenting. And my daughter looked at me and goes, you're going to talk about <laughs> parenting? Are you like a parenting professional? <laughs> and, and just that honesty from the 12 year old of, wait a second. And so I stopped and thought about it. And I said, you know, Morgan, I don't think there's such thing as a parenting professional. We all do the best we can in each and every moment. Some days it goes better than others. And we learn and become better parents by talking about it with each other and with other professionals. So Yes, I'm going to talk about parenting, but no, I'm not a parenting professional, awesome. as you know. I mean, talk about reality check, right? That yeah. look of your about parenting. That's awesome. Luckily, my kid can't do that yet. He can't talk back <laughs> to me like wait. that. <laughs> so, um, okay. So in terms of, of development, I feel like there's a lot talked about milestones. And then there, there are a lot of people that say things like every child's different. It happens when it happens. What are your thoughts on milestones and how, and the importance of those? Do you know, milestones to me are really important. It gives us benchmarks and checkpoints to say, hey, are things on track? And something that's always been so interesting to me is as a mom of an infant, you know, there's so many great books to read while you're pregnant that mm-hmm. tell you almost day by day what's happening developmentally throughout your pregnancy. So your baby is the size of an orange this week and here's, you know, limbs are starting yeah. to develop and eyelids are blinking. We can read literally almost day by day development in utero. And then the baby's born. And I think it comes from a good place where nobody wants to cause stress or worry or to say anything negative about a child. Mm -hmm. So it's so easy to default to, oh, he's just a boy. Oh, he'll talk when he's ready um, or she'll talk when she's ready. But the reality is there is a very clear trajectory of what happens when. And yes, there's variances. Absolutely. But at such a young age, those variances shouldn't be large. The older we are, the more room and range we have for that. But we don't go from a week by week expected developmental plan to, oh, it's okay if it happens in this six to nine month range. Yeah. And milestones to me, it allows us to catch things early to say, yep, this is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. This is fantastic. Or you know what? Here's a red flag. I'm going to watch this a little bit more closely. And if that's the case, 
what can I do right now that might speed things up and get things back on track? A great example of that that comes to mind when I think of this is my own son, Drew. When Drew was born, we should all be born with a primitive reflex um, that it's called the Palmer grasp reflex. So it's that moment when you touch an infant's hand and they grasp onto your finger. And it's such a sweet bonding moment with the child. Mm -hmm. And that helps to set them up for, sorry about the ringing in the background. I didn't even hear it. You're good. (laughs) Um, it, It helps to set the stage for fine motor development. And when Drew was born, you can imagine in the hospital, he's a couple hours old. I start going through just some couple quick little checks to see how things look. Um, and a nurse came in and said to me, oh, mom, just relax and enjoy that baby. And I said, this is me enjoying. Like, this is really yeah. fun and interesting to look at this. I did the same Drew, thing. <laughs> how can you not? And, and Drew did not have the Palmer grasp reflex. And so it was a milestone that he should have had at birth that he didn't. I wasn't upset. I wasn't stressed, but it was information. So I knew I wanted to do lots of stimulating to that hand so that that reflex would emerge so that it could eventually develop to set him up for success with fine motor. And so um, that to me is just a perfect example of a milestone allowed me to identify something, to put a plan in place, to address a concern before it became a concern. So we could get things on track. So we didn't go to kindergarten and struggle with holding a pencil and writing his name and all that goes along with fine motor. I love that. And I think that's, that's, I remember hearing something similar from you at like a conference years ago where you shared, you know, in utero, it's, it happens like one, two, three, and we have this exact timetable. So why all of a sudden after baby comes with a big, ah, just whatever happens, happens. And it's, that was like one of those total aha moments for me where I was like, that is so right. Like, why, why would that be a thing? And so um, I agree. And I, I feel like we've both probably seen professionally what happens when families see the milestones, but then do take that approach of like, hey, it'll be fine. There, there is more heartache down the road. And that's, that's my biggest thing with this podcast, with everything. And I'm sure one of yours too, is to take parents out of a place of heartache or not even let them get into it in the first place. And so I love what you said. It can be information to not view it as like a panic or a, you know, don't hit the panic button if something's wrong, but use it as information. Okay. Now what, what do we do? So, exactly. Information is power. And to me, the more we understand the more we can be proactive and effective in what we're doing when we're engaging, playing, helping our kids grow and develop to thrive. Yeah, I love that. So what, what as a child, if you do, or as a parent, if you have a child that you feel like is either early or late with a milestone, what, what should your approach be? What should you do? You know, Honestly, that's a a big question because it's going to depend to me on what that milestone is and at what age you're seeing it. Um, You know, let me, I guess we could give a couple examples of particular milestones um, and what I, what my thought process would be with that. Um, So for example, um, an early milestone that we watch for is rolling. Um, So when a baby rolls, we want to begin to see rolling around, around, look at me give you a range. <laughs> I want to see rolling at three months of age. Um, and oftentimes, um, so much of development is going to come back to the development of core muscles. Core muscles in an infant underlie so much of those early milestones. The ability to sit, to crawl, takes a lot of muscle strength for an infant to be able to control that massive heavy head that they have. Um, so with rolling, there is some, some musculature involved 
But one of the things that I see so often that's a really simple thing is we keep babies in diapers all the time to minimize the mess that we clean up. Um, And the diapers are really restrictive to that baby's movement. And when you watch an infant roll, so if you picture a baby laying on their back, in order to roll, they're going to tuck those knees to their chest and then, you know, head will go to the side and body moves along with it. So it's a, it's, a reflex is helping to underlie that initial rolling pattern and movement. So infant doesn't have control yet. It starts as a reflex. And then part of development is building that ability to control. And so a really simple thing with something like rolling is naked time for the baby. Yeah. Strip, strip, strip your little one down, put them on, you know, two, three blankets, yeah. <laughs> got carpet. Um, and give them that naked baby time. It's, it's increasing that range of motion, allowing them more freedom of motion. Um, and I was visiting with a mom not that long ago and she had reached out, she knows the milestones and, and it was a, oh my gosh, I know she's supposed to be doing this right now. She's not, what can I do? And it's such a fun thing to say, Hey, do this and call me back in two days and tell me what you see. And sure enough, yeah, it happened. And you did that with me. I, I, we were at three months and my son wasn't really rolling consistently. So I texted you in a panic and you were like, <laughs> strip him down within like three days. He was rolling back and forth either direction very consistently. I did have a few messes of pee to clean up, but I was like, you know what? It's fine. Perfect. Like I will, I will take it. And so, That's awesome. yeah, it was within a couple of days. I was like, ah, just took a little, a little naked time. <laughs> I didn't remember that city. That's, that's fantastic. My husband calls them my party tricks. Yeah. And it, you know, it's such a simple thing um, that it's just to be able to share that piece of knowledge to empower you as a parent yeah. to help that milestone because it's, you know, other things come after that. So yeah, I passed it along to other mom friends. I had a mom that was, we were like at a park play date. She's like, Oh, she's not rolling yet. And I was like, strip her down, get her naked. Like it, you'll, you'll have it no time. <laughs> this is why I love what I do because then there's such joy when you have success with that and, and such a simple little thing um, that, that can make a difference. So, um, so that's what I mean by, you know, there's going to be different thought processes that yeah. go with, with different milestones. And then it all becomes that cascade of get that first piece on track. So everything else is lined up to happen after that. I love that. So what, um, what are the, I guess like, so we're talking about, you know, developing and getting those milestones on track. What are, are there some top things you would say to avoid for proper development for parents? Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting because when I think back over my, you know, really I've been working deeply in development um, for over the past decade. And while I actually work with older kids, I have such an interest and fascination with baby development because it's what sets everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I touched on earlier, our core muscle development is so key and critical to everything. Um, and one of my mentors um, said a line years ago that I'm sure you've heard me say over and over in regards to the muscles is the activation and engagement of our muscles sets the baseline activation for our brain. Mm -hmm. So when our muscles are activated and engaged, our brain is awake and firing. It's why if we get up and go for a run in the morning, we're energized, our thoughts are flowing. If I'm working on something and I get stuck, I've lost creativity, I'm trying to write and the words just aren't coming, taking a break and moving, going for a run will re-engage that. Um, Our muscles underlie processing speed in the brain. So how we process auditory, 
information, how we process visual information, it underlies so much. And so really focusing on movement and developing core strength with our infants is such a simple thing that has an impact that is really far reaching um, to really set things up for success going forward. So we have so many convenience things that have been developed for parents Mm -hmm. that are developed with good intention and are great tools to have in moderation. Yeah. So, you know, the seats that prop a baby up so a baby can sit before they have the core strength and the balance to do that on their own. Maybe it makes the baby happier and more engaged. You can make eye contact while you're cooking. It's a different position for your little one, but it's doing the work for the baby. And so your little one isn't forced to develop their own core strength so that they can sit on their own. Yeah. Um, Another place where I see that is, is tummy time. Um, When I was an infant, I'm older than you are. um, It was before the back to sleep campaign really came about. And so um, back in the day, babies would all sleep on their stomach primarily initially. And so when an infant's on our stomach, there's work involved with that if you need to move your head. You've got to, again, head's about 50% of the body weight with the baby. So they've got to use such core strength to lift up that head, to change position, to turn their head from side to side. Um, There's stimulation that's happening on their cheeks when they raise their arms, feet come up with it. That's a reflex. When that happens, it's engaging all of those core muscles. So there is magic that happens developmentally in tummy time but babies don't love it because it's also work. Yeah. And so um, when we're doing, you know, the advice now often given by pediatricians is for the baby to sleep on their back. Um, when that's happening, then we need to compensate for that with more tummy time than ever. Um, and tummy time where they're needing to work. And again, as parents, we avoid it sometimes because then they start to get fussy or they're happy for a little bit um, and, and then they're not happy prolonged. And so really ensuring that you're being intentional. I tried to on an hourly basis um, when Morgan was an infant um, is every hour that she was awake, I wasn't going to wake her up for tummy time. Um, but really making sure that we were intentional of making sure, even if it was just for a minute or two here or there, if she was happy and playing and those times went up over time, but really being intentional about getting tummy time in yeah, um, so that it's working and engaging those muscles. I love that. Um, it's, and I, I've, I'm sure I've heard the phrase container baby syndrome, where babies are stuck in rockers and chairs and play things all day long. And they're not, yeah. they're not getting those core muscles involved. They're not moving their bodies and the development yeah. is not happening like it's supposed to, which no. you said, even I feel like even 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't really something we heard, but parenting was, was just different. And like, cause I think so much of what we have was there were good intentions behind it, but I mean, we're kind of in an experiment <laughs> as we're seeing sometimes that experiment is like, Ooh, stuff's not working. So we should go yeah. back in and change that and get to the root of it. So, well, and I think too, depending on your household scenario is I stayed home with Morgan. And so I knew how much tummy time she was getting because it was me. And I was doing that all day yeah. long. We opened our first brain balance center when Drew was four weeks old, which meant I was in the center working a lot. And so I didn't have the same constant hands-on me. And so um, so often in the different daycare scenarios, again, at daycare, often we're juggling lots of babies and trying to keep everybody healthy and happy and thriving. And so 
those, you know, bouncy seats and extra saucers and all those things I think are used even more, which isn't a bad thing. But I think it's great to have a proactive, intentional conversation of visit with your, your daycare provider scenario to say, hey, let's every hour have a goal of doing this, or I'm okay if my baby gets a little fussy for a little bit in tummy time, because that's really important to me. And so having a conversation and checking in, you know, hey, how did that, how did that go today? Were you able to find time for that? Um, so that even if it's not you, you can still support and encourage that healthy development. I love that. So what, so we're talking about encouraging. So what would be, do you have like a top few tips? You said you have some party tricks, the best <laughs> things to encourage proper development, whether it's for babies or, you know, older children, I'm sure getting the core involved, moving your body is a huge one. Are there yeah. any other things that you would like to encourage parents to do more of? Oh, so many things, <laughs> um, but you know, but when I think big picture, simple things, um, there's such development of technology over time and technology is wonderful and can be used for some educational pieces and engagement and entertainment. But honestly, it often is almost too easy. And typically when we're engaged with technology, we're not engaging our core and our muscles. And so again, I look to my own kids and we've really worked to balance it. We don't want to say no. I don't want my child to want to go play at a friend's house so that they can binge on video games because we don't allow it here. So we're constantly trying to find that balance, which is easier said than done. It's so hard. Um, But then we really try to talk to our kids and from day one, educate about the importance of movement and engaging the brain. So technology isn't bad. There's amazing, wonderful things that come from it, but let's balance it. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to play a video game or do something, we're going to move before and after so that we're waking up our, our brain, we're engaging our brain. So we're setting ourselves up for more success. So it's, it's balancing things. And I find we're needing to model that for our kids more and more as adults, my husband and I, because we spend all day for work on the computer, on our phone, multitasking with multi pieces of technology. And we're trying to tell our kids, put it down and move. And at this age, they're like, really mom, how's that going for you? As I'm, you know, on or 10 on zoom calls. Um, so doing things like, you know, when technology is necessary standing up. So if you have an older child and you're doing distance learning from school, stand up desks are not just for adults. And, yeah. um, and if, if there's going to be a time where there's more technology, again, balancing it with movement. So that's um, a piece that I think we all need to be intentional of and aware of because there's so many amazing technology pieces at our fingertips available for the kids. Um, I love that. Yeah. Also, you know, just simple things, but one of the biggest engagers of our brain are our senses. Um, So for example, the smell of coffee in the morning will get me out of bed when I don't want to get out of bed. So our senses are such powerful engagers of our brain. And so being really intentional and aware of the power of stimulating those senses. And you can do that all day long. So if you're cooking, encourage your child, you know, Ooh, I'm going to add garlic. Do you want to smell this garlic? Do you know what garlic smells like? Do you like this smell? Do you not like this smell? Just we're bombarded with our senses all day, but we can be even a little bit more intentional about it by talking about it. Yeah. Um, I also love with the little ones um, as much barefoot time as possible for those senses. So with little ones, how they start to learn the difference between hard and soft um, has a lot to do with their senses. And so when they're running around barefoot, if it's safe, and they're going from the concrete driveway 
to the grass, they're feeling that difference. We have so many receptors on the bottom of our feet. And so that barefoot time of carpet to hardwood floor to I stepped on a Lego and that really hurt. Um, <laughs> oh, really, <Legos>. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's such a simple thing. Um, and that's so often with parenting. It's so many of the simple things and oftentimes kind of going back to the basics yeah. that really can be helpful for big picture in development. I agree. I feel like we are seeing a bit of a shift just in society. I don't know if it's a combination of, of COVID and people being at home. I don't know what it is, but I feel like people are shifting more to, to those basics, like spending more time with family, spending more time outdoors. And it's so refreshing to see. So um, I, yeah, if there's anything good that comes from COVID, I think, I think it's that. <laughs> I would agree. The silver lining is, yeah. is, I feel like for our family, that shift went from outward to inward of yeah. being so, you know, running in 30 directions all at once, traveling for work. And then all of a sudden it just became, our world was our home. Yeah. And I mean, to reconnect there and engage on a higher level. And I mean, we loved some of that time in that our, our little family cocoon. And now again, trying to, to carry forward some of the things that we loved from that family cocoon yeah. time. And As you try to, back to normal life. I know, <laughs> I know that balance, right? So um, what, so there's a lot of misinformation around development. I feel like, especially with the internet, I always joke that one of the worst things as a new parent is Googling stuff. Like, especially if you're like up in the middle of the night nursing or something, there is nothing that will set off a panic more like more than that. I remember with my first, I would, I'd be nursing middle of the night and I'd look something up and then it would make me buy something on Amazon or something. Like I need this right now. It would come <laughs> a couple of days later and my husband would be like, what, what is this? I'm like, I don't remember why I just remember it's so important. Like we have to have it. <laughs> so he was like, stop with the late night Amazon purchases. But anyway, so because of that misinformation, because of all the stuff that's out there, is there like one piece of information that you feel like comes up over and over again as you're working with parents that you wish you could just like get rid of? Like just, you know, whoever, wherever you're hearing that, whether it's schools or pediatricians, like I wish people would stop saying that. You know, I'm going to come back to technology and I feel like such a technology harpy. Sometimes I am not anti-technology. I love technology. There's so many great things for it, but let's talk about what engages the brain is let's not go to and depend on technology for our education pieces. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more powerful than that human connection and interaction. And in fact, it engages areas of our brain that technology doesn't. Yeah. So when we are face to face with somebody, this is something that I know you know about Sydney is we engage something in the brain called the mirror neurons. Our mirror neurons allow me to see you, take you in and mimic or shadow what I'm seeing. So for example, if, you know, let's say you and your husband are are having a heated conversation, maybe you're debating politics and (laughs) you're starting to get more heated and intense in the conversation. If somebody postures and leans forward and starts to get a little bit more aggressive, if they kind of get in your face a little bit more, your knee jerk is to come right back at them. It's because of mirror neurons. You see that. And without even thinking about it or processing it, you just react to that. Um, so mirror neurons help us to learn social interaction, to see it, be aware of it, read it, and adjust accordingly to be appropriate. Yeah. Um, so when studies are showing that when we're doing teaching or engagement through a device or a computer, we're not engaging the mirror neurons. So I see you, I'm seeing your face. I watch your eyes as though we're making eye contact yeah. as we're doing our, our Zoom podcast. Um, 
even though we, we can't truly see each other. It, we're not engaging mirror neurons, even though we're attempting to make eye contact in this way. And so um, there are education pieces that can come through technology. It can work processing. There can be memory pieces. However, when we're doing it hands-on, we're engaging the senses more. When you're turning a page in the book and you can smell that book and the person's moving in front of you and you are moving, we're engaging more areas of the brain. So again, technology is not bad. It doesn't mean we shouldn't use technology for any education, but nothing replaces human interaction and that human connection and teaching experience for education. Oh. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm so bad speech for you for the day. I love it. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like, preach on. So, um, so just kind of, you know, as we close up here, just a couple little things. What is, I feel like I'm constantly reading child development books, like my office. I won't show you the other side of my desk. It's just stacked with random books. So is there one or two books you wish every parent would read? Oh, so many. Um, you know, for me, it's really going to depend on the age of the child. Um, but one of my favorite go-to books is a book called Spark. Um, and again, you're going to see themes with me, right? Spark is really talking about how moving I, think I, have it. I don't think I've ever read it. I think it's so oh, in my shelf. I need to I want to give it to yeah. every educator across the country, every parent. I mean, it really drives home the importance of, of movement and how engaging our heart rate and our muscles increases the effectiveness of our learning experience. And so looking at um, studies and what it does for memory, what it does for attention and focus, um, and in our strive towards bettering our kids and pushing our kids further and farther and going further with academics and the intensity, we've done so much of taking out movement and pounding in repetition and memory. And in fact, if we take a step back and allow the kids more movement and exercise and activity, we could potentially be far more effective with the teaching. And so um, that book is just such a great, it's written so well. So it's very user-friendly, reader-friendly. It's not, you don't feel like you're reading research, even though they they do share some research. So um, I love the book Spark. Um, A book that I've read just recently that um, really hit home with me is a book called Unselfie. And I'm blanking on the author's name. Um, Let me look it up. Um, It's so really kind of talking about this would be for the the older child. Again, my kids are 10 and 12. So that's where my headspace is at right now. But how do we raise an empathetic, connected unselfish child in this time of TikTok and selfies. And it's all about me. How do we balance that with being connected and engaged and having a big giving empathetic heart? So that book really struck a chord with me and really had me stop and think about what I'm doing that my kids are mimicking and shadowing and learning from and watching um, and being intentional in raising the citizens of humanity that I want to, yeah. to see in my kids. So and then those have been it. my the world two. needs it. Yeah. <laughs> we all do. Yeah. We all do. And that's what you're talking about spark. I'm like, I, I think all adults could benefit from it, moving our bodies more. And I, there's so much of, of what happens in development that applies throughout adulthood. And I think that's what I love about the brain is it never stops growing and changing, whether it's, you know, the trajectory depends on what you're doing with it. And so, that reminder to just make sure we're moving and balancing that out, especially because there is such an increase of technology right now, just by default, because the way that the world is right now, you have to, you know, kind of always evaluate and balance that. 
Yeah. And you know, it's so funny that you said that with the brain can change at any age. And in fact, Brain Balance, we're just launching the adult program. And it is for a decade, parents have said, you know, I've seen the change in difference that's happened in my child. Can I do the program? Can I do the program? I don't know how many times I heard that. Yeah. (laughs) The reality is all of our brain benefits from intentional engagement stimulation. We can all do better. None of us are, you know, the best ever that we can be. And the brain can change at any time. And taking these same concepts that apply to optimizing function and optimizing our kids, optimize our performance and function as well. Um, So it's, it's so true. The brain can change at any time. It just sometimes takes a little bit of extra added energy and work to accomplish it, but so worth it. Yeah. It just needs a little, a little push in the right direction. So if if there is one thing you wish every parent could know, it's another loaded question. What, what's the one piece of advice you wish you could give all parents? Follow your, your parent intuition. Nobody knows your child better than you. If you have a worry, look into it. And, and to you, you, what you were saying with the Googling, you know, maybe look into it with the expert. Our brain always goes to worst case scenario, but yeah. follow your gut and, and your intuition is if there's something that is coming to mind for you, um, reach out, talk to the experts to see, is there something that you can be doing right now that's going to help going forward? Yeah. Um, and again, I think human nature is we don't want people to feel bad. So it's easy to say, oh, it's fine. And sometimes it is. Yeah. And sometimes the answer is, you know what? It might be okay, but here's something that we can do right now that's just going to set us up for more success going forward. So follow follow the gut instinct that you have as that parent. It's it is very real. I remember talking with parents, you know, at work about that, you know, following your gut and parents would say all the time, I just knew something was off or, yes. you know, I just, after, you know, comparing to my other kids, there was just something a little bit different. And then I had a kid. It is, it's unparalleled. Just knowing there is just that guttural where you're like, mm. or it might even be proud. It's like, Hey, like there's just, you just know, you know, your kids and you know yes. yourself and what you need. And, and the same thing applies. So absolutely. I love that. Well, Thank you. As always, it's been a treat. I so I don't know if I've ever told you this. One time Savannah and I were sitting at a conference and we were listening to you and I said something about, oh, I wish I could remember that. And she's like, I wish I could just have Rebecca's brain. She's like, then that way I would always remember everything and I would always know everything she knows. And I was like, that is a better idea. So I, I think very highly of you. You are, you're just, you're a wealth of knowledge and I appreciate the help you've given me with my own kids when I have texted you and your little nuggets of wisdom you've shared. So <laughs> absolutely. Well, again, thank you for your kind words. Um, I, I love being able to, I love learning and I get excited. I want everybody to know what I know and, and there's always more to learn. And I always say, I'm never going to be the smartest person in the room. So I want to talk to everybody that is. So I'm constantly trying to soak in new information so that I can turn around and share it with others because it is such a joy to be able to provide that. Um, And as a, as a parent myself, there's nothing more rewarding than watching your child grow and thrive. And so to help others do that is um, just fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. So like I said, I feel like this was a perfect way to kick off this new revamped of Brains and Babies. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to follow me on Instagram at of Brains and Babies and drop a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast.